Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rodenbush, the Director of Alumni Engagement with Recovery Centers of America. Today, we're at one of our beautiful facilities, and we are sitting down with Megan and Justin. Justin is a, an alum of RCA, and Megan is his beautiful wife. And they agreed um, to talk to us today a little bit about their story, their story together, and and their story of hope and and healing. And um, so, just really glad to have you. Thanks for being here. Thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, where did the two of you begin? Let's just take it back to how did you two meet. So, uh, it was in college, and uh, I would say Megan was always around. We were always around uh, mutual friends, and um, it really just started off as a friendship, I would say. Yeah. And some late nights, (laughs) alcohol-related. you know, back then it was acceptable was the thing to do, and uh, a lot of partying. I was actually known. Uh, her mom always jokes. Um, I had the party house, and she was always going to the party house. Uh, it was a it was a nice party house. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but um, in college, I definitely i i had the place where everybody gathered and indulged to say the least so that probably looking back at it um probably a sign that problems were coming my way but um didn't see it that that way at that point in time but just having fun and uh really that's how yeah that's how we met um everybody always said we would laugh because they would say oh if you had babies they would have the prettiest eyes Mm -hmm. unique colored eyes And I was always like, oh, yeah, because I wasn't, I would go to the house because that's where my friends were, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't a partier. Yeah. I didn't drink. I didn't every once in a while, but my dad was a drinker, so I was the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. I, I was the driver. I was, I was all of the opposite of, you know, what was happening, the partying at the house. But, um, he was just the sweetest person. He cried the first time. We watched a movie, <laughs> and I don't know. It just, it was just easy. Yeah. It was, and that's, you know, we've talked about that. Like, everything was always easy for us. It was, e- we, we got along, then we got engaged, you know, then we got married. We never fought. There was no, there was no fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, no arguing, no disagreeing. And so when, when we get more into our story, when we got hit, Mm-hmm. with some hard times it was almost like we didn't know what to do because wow. life was crashing down and we were so used to just bebopping through kind of had this whirlwind romance <laughs> yeah the college yeah and I mean and then when we had kids you know it was just everything was easy and our friends would say like oh you guys never fight your relationship is perfect <laughs> but but yeah so it was it was just easy in the beginning. So when did that change? So I always drank. That's it was controllable though. Um it wasn't my way of life, but I was the weekend warrior. Um drank t- 
to excess on the weekends. With my cousins and my brother. And it's just what we did. And this seemed normal for you. You weren't I hated concerned. I, well, I hate I would always say, like, I didn't did I ever think that we would end up where we were? No. Mm-hmm. Um, did I hate the lifestyle that way in general? Yeah. I'd be like, why can't it just be one? Why does it have to be excessive all the time, you know? And it was always brushed off as it's we're just having fun, it's fine. And then the weekend would end and normal life would, you know, come back and, mm-hmm. you know, it'd work and there would be, there wouldn't be drinking during the week. And so it's almost like, I was like, oh, this is all right. And then we'd hit the weekend again. I'm like, this is so stupid. It's why is it so excessive? Mm-hmm. Repeat, repeat. <laughs> so that was, we were surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. We were. I would definitely say growing up, um, I, I mean, just where we live, if it's a one-year-old birthday party, we're going to have six to ten cases of beer. Yeah, I, it was the culture. Yeah, it is the culture. Um, anything, if it's a sad event, we're drinking. If it's a happy event, we're drinking. If it's we're just getting together, we're drinking. We're, we're truly just looking for an excuse to drink at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um I always joked, it's nice out, let's have a drink. Oh, it's cold out, it's snowing, let's have a drink. So it really isn't a joke that that was our way of life. Um, Just to find a reason to have a drink. And where we live, it there's a lot of people that you don't have to twist their arm very hard Mm -hmm. to go have a drink it's it's more acceptable almost like it's like you're weird if you don't Mm -hmm. and i would have to explain to my side of the family continually like when we first got married i'm like i don't i don't like to drink you guys know this i just don't do it and the question always was well are you pregnant are you pregnant no i don't like to drink so it was almost like you know you're weird what's wrong with Mm -hmm. you let's have a drink and so you know, I think the first go around, um, that was his concern. We say that like alcohol is the only drug that everyone's gonna right pressure you or yeah, that. I mean, like, not- right? Everyone else, you know, you're kind of if if it's anything other than alcohol, you're. It's great when you quit, right? Because it's not acceptable. It's not socially acceptable except for that group that you're doing it exactly. with. Exactly. But when you say, "I'm not going to drink anymore," then it's almost like it. People think, like, do you not want me to drink because you're not? No. You do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it's disheartening that mm-hmm. it's so important. And we're breaking that stigma slightly. But it still exists, yeah. right? I actually just saw something on Facebook that said, seems like the new trend is to, to not drink. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, so... When would you say it started to get hard? COVID. Um, COVID was my complete downfall. Um, So before COVID, I I have extremely high anxiety, um, bouts of depression. And I started self-medicating with alcohol prior to COVID but I knew that was an issue, and I addressed it and sought help with doctors for my anxiety. 
medicine wasn't working. Um, medicine wasn't working like alcohol was working. Um, then COVID came and I was to work remotely from home. Um, 95% of my income comes from commissions and um, really didn't know how I was going to make ends meet working mm. from home. Um, Megan is a stay-at-home mom and we have two kids and my anxiety went through the roof. Um, didn't I had to hide it from Megan. Didn't want her to think she had to go back to work. Um, wanted to on the surface make sure everybody kind of felt like it's things as normal everything's status quo and um but on the inside i just i was a mess started realizing that the medicine definitely wasn't helping during covid and a few beers in the morning would start my day off a lot better than whatever the doctor was putting me on a few beers turned into you know, a six pack in the morning. And then I, I really wasn't getting drunk though. I was drinking to take the edge off mm -hmm. and then keep that edge off all day. So it was an all day, every day occurrence during COVID. And are you noticing at this point? That was the scariest part. I didn't. Didn't see the change. I didn't. I don't know if it was, um, I don't, I don't know if it was just such a, like he was just, he was, he was, he must have just been staying this status quo, this, mm -hmm. you know, and I was so wrapped up in like the world is falling apart and <laughs> what am I going to do with my kid, you know, like, so I'm wrapped up in that and I, I was just so used to assuming that he's got it, mm -hmm. you know, he's got us financially, he's got us, he's got us and I've mm -hmm. got this. And so, no. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice at that point. I did not. I, I believe the terminology is gaslighting, but I was a liar to the fullest extent um, because I, I really wasn't getting drunk. I, I mean, if I got pulled over, I would have got a DUI, but I wasn't intoxicated, functioning, functioning, highly functioning. People, No one knew mm -hmm. I was drinking. No... If if Megan couldn't tell I was drinking and she doesn't drink and she couldn't smell it on me, I mean, I was doing a pretty good job of hiding it. Um, not proud of it. I'm actually mm -hmm. shamed and embarrassed about it, but it was the only thing that would get me through the day without... Mm -hmm. But I they didn't... Say you found a solution. I, I, I did until my body became dependent on it. Mm -hmm. So then now... I'm able to go back to work, but now my body's dependent on it. Now I'm shaking uncontrollably without having a few beers. Um, I already have an essential tremor from medications that my mom was on while she was pregnant with me. And that tremor is uncontrollable when um, I'm having some withdrawal symptoms. And so now... I'm completely dependent on it. And now I'm not drinking to take the edge off anymore. I'm drinking to be able to 
have my hands not shake to be able to type to be able to write um still keeping that this has got to be so scary oh beyond it i i knew i had to get out of it Mm -hmm. i i I knew i had to get away from it i didn't know how i tried to quit on my own that was Mm -hmm. that was not good Uh, the withdrawal symptoms i looking back at it i think i could tell you that i was sick but you even you called me out okay you're just having withdrawals um yeah and he would try to say like no and i'm like yeah googled a lot like you know because that because you do start noticing yes. at a certain point yes and was it the physical symptoms that yeah. you were noticing first yeah i would say the physical symptoms um he it's i think the the changes in his relationships with with the kids or with i they were such a it was such a gradual kind of thing that I didn't, I, I guess I, I didn't link, link mm-hmm. it up or I was trying not to link it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course it got to the point where, and, and as our story goes on, like I got so angry and so mad that I was just like, forget it. Like me and the kids are here. You were whatever you want to join. Come on. But so did you go into treatment at that point? No. Um, I went into treatment. Would that have been December of 21? December of 21. So I came home from work and Megan said she found this place, which is really bizarre, but it popped up on... It was the first thing that popped up. And um, I said, you, I knew in the back of my mind I needed help. Um, I knew in the front of my mind I needed help, but, you know, again, I do put off the tough guy posture exterior and I also probably knew I wasn't going to quit. Um, at this point in time, I'll detox. If I detox, if I get out of my system, if I get... If I get all these symptoms, if I get these shakes to go, go away, back to quote unquote normal, yeah, I'll be able to have a drink here or there, or, you know, just be able to function. I'll mm-hmm. be able to get through the day. I did it before. I could do it again. Um, I so I I got out of that rehab. It was in California, which was weird. Where I won't get into that part, but I uh, flew out to California. It was a, it was, again, like, I remember after taking him to the airport, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I, when did this happen? When, what happened? How are we here? But I thought that that was going to be the answer. Mm -hmm. That was naive me, you know, and I believed, you know, that that was going to be it. And you're thinking, I get through this, I can just get back to life. Yeah, I I just wanted the symptoms to go away. Here I am, like, so far away. And it was, I remember the next day, I was up all night, and then my mom came up. And I sat in her lap like an infant, like she said, in in the fetal position, and just sobbed. Mm -hmm. Because I had no idea. 
he was, they had him asleep at this point. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what. Didn't know what, what you guys were up against. No. 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 And, you know, all of that, again, in my mind thinking, like, we, if we get through this, there's no way. There's no way he's ever going to want to even breathe near it, right? So you get home. So I I do pretty well for probably three weeks. Yeah, he was out there for fourteen days, okay. and then it was insistent upon coming home. And it was, Christmas was coming up. I wasn't missing Christmas. You were good. I made it to January nineteenth. No, that's when I found out. You made it to the a couple of days after Christmas. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, again, nothing to hide. But on January 19th, I wasn't drinking that much. But that day I was on medicine and a six-pack, I, I was completely out of my mind. I, I don't know. She came home, I remember, and I was like, you got to hide this. And she goes, you were drinking. I said, yep, that was... <laughs> There's no hiding it. I mean, I'm, I can't even function. I don't know what's going on. And this is after a six pack. And so that's when I, I was like, all right, I got this medicine. And she, she fills my medicine. So it's not like I can hide mm-hmm. not taking the medicine. So that, that was a rough night. I mean, she I, was leaving me I at that point. Things. I threw his, you know, chips that you get when you're, yeah. I threw them. I was, because again, I, thought that this was like how could you ever want to go back after what you just experienced like in my mind to me it's so simple right and I know now it's not simple then I still was not educated at all at all I had no idea I'm just like just Mm -hmm. stop what's what the heck look you got you have me you have these beautiful kids like this great job like just stop so 2022 was a really rough year um, which I, I, I'm beyond thankful that it happened. Looking back at it, the fact that we got through it together as a family. Um, so I, I made it about five months white knuckling it. Just, I isolated, didn't go anywhere, made excuses to stay at home. I didn't want to see anybody. I would go to work. Not working a program at this time? or I got on... So, again, my alcoholism started really bad during COVID. <laughs> so, Zoom was my... Okay. Um, st- started making excuses what nights I should skip. Um, you know, I didn't like meditation nights, so I would skip meditation night. Then it turned into two of the nights. And I was very... Um, again, fast forward to know, knowing more, being more educated... Um, I was very much um, monitoring his recovery. Mm -hmm. I was still doing all of my same behaviors. I was looking and watching and checking all of the places that it used to be hidden. it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I would sign him into the meetings and, are you on the meeting? Are you this and that? And I was consumed in it. Talk to somebody right now who's in that process. They're doing that. You need to... I have learned... It, you can't, you can't consume yourself in the addiction or in monitoring the recovery. 
because it they have to want it they have to want it one and two it makes you crazy and it takes you away from everything else that is important to you and the best thing that I ever did was step back work my own program learn about addiction and first and foremost I wholeheartedly give it to God mm-hmm. I do every single day and it is what I was doing for those five months I was sick I was it consumed my life as much as the it's thought a of family disease it is right a family it, disease. Is. it is it is as much as alcohol consumed his life mm-hmm. alcohol was consuming my life even in sobriety mm-hmm. if not more because when he was drinking I knew it Mm-hmm. And I could be mad and I could be, you're drunk, get away from me. But whenever he's sober, I'm still that, per- I was still that person. I still was on guard. I still was treating him like he was drinking. And I was, like I said, I was, I get up early every morning and exercise. And the basement was a place where a lot of things were hidden. And I would, that's what I would do. I would work out a little bit and then I would check. I would check all the places. And it would, and I was, I was just as sick. I was just as sick. And if you, and if someone out there is, are, is doing those things, you know, talk to other people that are going through it. And the best thing that ever taught me anything was at, when he was in this facility and they did groups on Wednesday nights. And we got to be in rooms with the families of the, the people that were here. And we talked about everything we were going through and everything that we were doing and what it was called and what you shouldn't do and what it looked like and everything. And it changed my life. Wow. It changed my life. And every chance I get, I tell people to go to that meeting, to, to, to talk to people that know. Because when you're in it, you think you're the only one. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you're not. No. And the things you're doing, other people are doing. And it's... Kind of demystifies it, right? And I would leave those meetings and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, like it's not not just me. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if, if this place, and we'll get to it, but this place saved our, his life and our marriage... And I will be forever grateful to everything that RCA has to offer. Justin, talk to me a little bit about, you said 2022 was just kind of spiraling down. All right. So here comes God pushing me. (laughs) Um, So, so God, uh, I think he's been after me for a while. God is great. And I think he's been chasing me. And every time that God-like void in my life um, would open up. And when I needed to turn back to him, I was filling it with alcohol. And 2022, I was on my way to work. My wife called me. And Megan, she, she says, your platelets are at 30. And I said, that's good, right? <laughs> she goes, no, the doctor wants to see you right now. 
So I go to the doctor immediately, drop what I'm doing, and um, the next week I'm seeing hematology oncology um, with my platelet issue. I, I had a bone marrow biopsy done, and essentially they were checking to make sure that I didn't have cancer. And so that's going on. Um, our daughter, she's in children's. Um, she's in the hospital, and um, I'm trying to finish up a quarter. Uh, I, somebody was texting and driving. I was in a car accident. Mm. Um, they, they drove into me works already rocky, um, being accused of drinking at this point and I'm not drinking. And, um, so works right. It just was one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And then I actually, I, this part becomes a little bit of a blur, but my <laughs> Megan's here so she can verify <laughs> I admitted I was going to start drinking again. I was going mm -hmm. to control it. it I can do gonna... it. I can do it. Because nothing else was working. Yeah. I didn't realize I needed to turn to God. Nothing else is working. So I start drinking. And I was doing good. I was only having a few here or there. Um, and it got to the point that, well, the the one evening... I drank about a case that, you know, the few, then I was like, you know what, I'm, it's been a rough week, I'm taking vacation, next week, it was a Friday, I drank probably 24 Trulies, and, but I was hiding it from Megan, so it doesn't, especially for somebody to drink, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you chug it, if you have five, ten minutes, and you chug three or four of them, it affects you a lot quicker. And that's what I was doing. If it, you know, I was, she knew about the couple, but she didn't know about the ten I chugged. Mm -hmm. And so that that evening we go to bed, and I'm using the bathroom. It's about two o'clock in the morning, and um, I get up off the toilet and stumble my daughter's um, footstool. Footstool to wash her hands in front of me, trip over that, fall into a wall that's about five inches um, uh, thick and um, hit my eye. And um, I broke my nose. I thought I broke my orbital, but I didn't. And because of my, what we now know is an autoimmune disease, it's ITP, they were concerned I had bleeding mm. on my brain, so I was life flighted that night. And um, so, life flighted at the hospital um, six times. You blew a, I think, a point four. Point four. It was either a point mm. four or a point five. It, whatever yeah. it wasn't here, it was. It was a point four five. I remember that, and I shouldn't remember that, but I I do point four five. I mean, that's. Scary. Well, well that's yeah. what they were saying. You know, they. My cousin went down with me. He rode down with me because he didn't want me to have to go alone. And um, that's what they were saying to me. Like, he should be dead. Yeah. He should not be alive. He should should not be. And um, I was at this point. I was so mad. 
I think. And now I, I had just said to him, like, I think God told me, like, put some sort of, like, calming effect or numbness over me at that point because I was just, I was numb to what was going on. Mm-hmm. I was there and I was numb to it. Um, and he was very mm, nonchalant about it. Hmm. I'm fine. I'm, Probably I'm, on the inside. Are, are you feeling nonchalant? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, I'm going to, and I was like, well, this is it. You know, like this is, you're done. You're mom here. You're done. And he's like, I'm still, I'm still going to have a couple. And I was like, what? what? And so I couldn't, you know, it was pointless at that point at point four or five to attempt to have a conversation. Um, but the scary thing was he was having a conversation. Wow. And so it was at that point, if not before that I realized, like I said to one of the doctors, I'm like, what in the heck? Like, how is this happening? And they said he was, he was just keeping a constant, he constantly had alcohol in his system. And then he would jug however many and it would shoot it up. And that's what I would see. And so. That was a Friday. Can't see, so I'm not allowed to drive out of my left eye. And that Wednesday, now I can see and now I'm allowed to drive. Um, I'm on vacation, and I've been going through withdrawal symptoms the entire weekend. Very sick. Couldn't stop throwing up. Um, Barely could walk. Didn't have any function of my legs. Um, uh, Megan and her mom kept saying it from the trauma of my face, but it was from withdrawals. We're lying to ourselves. You know, we're still in that, like... You know, like, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, even though knowing there's this huge problem, but wanting to wholeheartedly believe, like, maybe it is from the trauma of the face. But I can honestly say that's the first time I think I've, we've talked about it. And you, you know what I mean? Like, you have said that's exactly what it was. Like, I know he knows and he knows I know. Mm-hmm. But. It's hard. It's, yeah. Go ahead. I will, and so that Wednesday, I'm allowed to drive, so I find a reason to go to Walmart. I don't know why, what it was, dog food, who knows. Um, but full, the purpose was to get a case of beer, and I knew I was going to be alone for a while, so I drank as much of it as I could. Um, really didn't realize that I was caught at this point, but I ended up passing out, um, and waking up to Megan taking the kids, and I remember all this, Megan taking the kids, saying one of my best friends is on his way. He's going to talk to you, so basically setting up a mini intervention for me. And um, she said, I'm taking the kids, I'm going to my mom's. And um, everything was happening so fast, and I was just coming to, and I'm still drunk at this point that I I say, okay, all right, I know I messed up. I'll see you here in a little bit. And um, so I I have a really close-knit group of friends that um, have a lot to do with saving my life, and Megan reached out to them. And the one um, 
he just started getting on the phone and calling around looking for a bed. I didn't know any of this was going on. Actually, I just found out that probably a couple months ago that he was the one that actually found the bed. Yeah, because the places I called, they the one place I called, they were like, well, you're going to have to wait till tomorrow. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, we, we can't. We got now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called his buddy and I told him that. He's like, I got, hold on. And you wound up at RCA. Yes. So my one friend, he came over and he goes, I think you should go. I said, I'm not going. I'll go tomorrow. Let me sleep on it. He goes, no, I think you should go now. And I, I believe he pointed out that um, basically Megan and the uh, Megan and the kids just left. And so I, I decided to go. I jumped in his vehicle. I don't know if you know this, but... He did stop. He bought me oh, I knew. a pounder at the gas station for the ride down, said it's the last one you'll ever have. Enjoy it. And I did. I got here. And um, it does get a little eerie. Um, so I got here. I did. I blew a point four that night as well. And um, I, re- I remember getting here, and I, I told him, I said, I'll... I'm not staying. I said, I'll, I'll just get a hotel across the street. Um, but I end up staying. So um, at this point, so reverse back to the first time he went to, to rehab. I was, again, I am the codependent of the year. <laughs> and I learned from the best my mom. Learned from the best. But um, I was calling. Call, how is he? Is everything okay? On, you know, on and on and on and on. And this time... I was like, his blood pressure was high the first couple of days. I called and spoke with the nurse. They would not let me speak to him, which was the best thing. Um, and that's I, hard for a lot of people. It was hard, but it was the the way things happened here were divine intervention, and it was the absolute turning point in his recovery, in his life in our life and it was I can't even it, it there's no explanation for it you know there's just there's just not and from that day forward every time I would come I would come on Sundays and I would come on Wednesdays when I was allowed and every time I came I would call his friends I'm like he's he looks like he's 25 like you should see him you should you should see him like you're never going to recognize him when you see him you're never going to it's it's completely different and you know it was it gives me chills to even talk about and hard almost to put into words cuz there there aren't words um but so i i will say my stay here was remarkable um I hear horror stories of other places. I've been fortunate. Both places I've been to, the one in California and then this place, I've been to two nice places. I I don't know. Um, But, I mean, a warm bed. (laughs) Uh, Beautiful, clean facility. Great food. Um, The food here is really, really good. (laughs) I just have to say. The desserts are really good. (laughs) All our facilities, the food is good. So all that really blew my mind and um, just the willingness to help. So my community leader, when I first got here, I don't want to be here. I'm telling everyone I'm leaving. 
and telling her I'm leaving, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to detox again. I'm getting out of here. And <laughs> I was like, nope, not coming to get you. Not. And that was, <laughs> that was another thing I learned. You have to be as hard as it is. And that's what I would tell the people here after we were here for a couple weeks. I'm like, the answer is no. Like, the, no. You go and you, I was told, like, live your life. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can rest when they're here. Because they're safe. Mm-hmm. They're safe. So my buddy, he he took me under his wing, but his insurance ran out and he had to leave a little early. And um, now I'm the community leader. Uh-oh. <laughs> so they, they named me the community leader. Who wants to go home, <laughs> right? Like, and now you're stuck here. I'm going to suck it up and start helping people. Um, but yeah, no, it, I finally... Uh, I finally admitted that, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay for 30 days, not a day longer. <laughs> I'm going to give it 30 days. And I was like, don't even try one more. This I'm 30 days and I'm out. <laughs> and you know what? I Probably another 10, 20 days probably would have even made life even easier. But in my mind, I had to get back to work. I had to get back to life as mm-hmm. usual. Um, and I didn't realize it because I had no struggles in here. I, I was like, I got this disease beat. I, this is nothing to me. It's going to be easy. I, I wouldn't let our kids come visit me here. I, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of myself. Um, but the day they came and picked me up on September 11th, um, I remember still feeling as though I'm invincible. I got this beat. And soon as I walked out of the doors, I was very adamant that I was driving home. And soon as I walked out of the doors, I had the worst craving in the world. Mm. Um, because the road that we took home, um, that's about a four to six pack drive for me. Mm. And it brought back memories. I'm yep. going to drive. I'm usually, I usually have four or five, six beers on this ride home. And it hit me. I was so mad the entire way home. I didn't talk. I didn't know why. I'm like, what? Yeah. Are we happy? <laughs> like, and in my mind, I'm. I just went through this 30 days of. And you're like, oh no. On top of the world, and I got this too. Here's the real this world. This is reality. Um, no one's gonna tell you no if you want to. Um, so I I went home. I prayed about it, and I got past that craving. And. You know, I took the next week off of work, and that following Monday, I went back to work. So here we go again. Work's rocky. Our daughter's back in the hospital. Everything's lining up. I'm passing the beer distributor. I stop at often. The devil is in my ear. No one's going to know. Why don't you? And I prayed about it. I got past that craving. And... I can honestly say that was the last temptation that I've had. Do I dream about it? Sure. One of my big, biggest wins was probably two months ago when I was able to say no in my dreams to alcohol. So now I know my subconscious. People don't always understand. There's a whole process to what we call like pause, post-acute withdrawal syndrome. And those are all these little symptoms that pop up. When you're not drinking, the dreams, the... 
the empty beer can and the sidewalk walking to work and I have to pick it up because there's somebody next to it. Just little things like that. Megan, if if you ever need somebody for an Easter egg hunt, she, she will find anything. <laughs> and she missed one under my back seat and I had to get under my back seat and there, there it is. Mm. But one thing, and I'm sure we're running close on time, one thing that people don't realize, and so the communication between Megan and I is before it was non-existent. Mm-hmm. I, I was viewed as I was strong. I got this. She didn't see my insecurities. She didn't know that, you know, on the inside, I'm, I'm a complete mess. She gets it now. She completely understands um, we, we did have a speaker here. I do alumni, so I come back to the alumni meetings. I feel as though it's, I owe that to give back. If I can help one person, that's, that's why I come back. Megan does the same. But the one speaker, I won't say his name, but he put it because he had a very similar situation. So here I am with a wife that doesn't have a drinking problem. So perfectly good, perfect woman. And now I I give her her own program to work. So now I'm her drug of choice. Hmm. So now she. So now I also have to be mindful that she has her own triggers. So my triggers, which high anxiety situation, high stress situations, it's unfortunate. My kids are a trigger for me, um, just because of I. If I see a corner, I assume my son's going to fall and hit his head. And, <laughs> That's anxiety for me. So I have to remove myself from these situations. But then at the same time, I have to realize by me removing myself, that's a trigger to to Megan that that before I was. So you guys are having to do a whole new level of communication. Oh my gosh. And it's, you know, once you, like I said, dating, everything was easy. We didn't need, we were having fun. We were living our life you know everything was great and so i don't really know that we communicated well then Mm -hmm. because we were great what's there to communicate about work was good work was good you want to go to dinner all right let's go now you're getting to know each other yeah and i'm like i just said to my mom i'm like i just want to talk to him all the time like i want to talk to him all the time i want to know how his day is like i want to it's it's like i'm like he he was i thought he was great when i met him Mm mm-hmm He's this person that I always dreamed I would be married to, you know, like this. And he says the kids, you know, his, uh, you know, up his anxiety. You wouldn't know it now. Like in the past couple weeks, I would say, and again, credit to God, Jesus. He, he is just this, I don't know, this new person that I didn't know. Like he was, like I said, he was great before, but there still was, you know, he's, he still drank. It may not have been a, a problem at that point, but we are, I, the way we are now is what I thought marriage was supposed to be like. You know, things that I used to say before would make him mad. Like, well, this is upsetting to me. Now... He sits down, he stops what he's doing, and he talks about it with me. And sometimes, like I would, six months ago, I was like, I can't believe this is my life. Like, I can't believe our life is falling apart. And now, 
I swear to God, I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe this is my life. Like, I can't wait to get out of bed. I can't wait to, you know, I, it is, it is, our life is completely changed. And it is amazing when you can, whenever the codependent person is able to remove themselves from believing that you did this to me and I'm mad at you and you have to fix this and put yourself in the situation of we're going to do this together. If you're willing to work and fight, I'm going to work. On his thing. Yes. You're not fighting it. Right. His addiction together. Right. He's working and he's fighting that and I am working and fighting my own insecurities and my own triggers and and, and together and together you can we, work on the marriage. Yeah. And that is that is what it comes down to. And that's to. a marriage in recovery. Yeah. In at so many levels, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just it's so it's just it's like I said, it's hard to put into words because it's just it's something you never think you're going to go through. But I have said this multiple times over the past couple of weeks like I thank God that we went through this because had we not, would we be here? Would we be, you know, would we be in... Coasting through life Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean... Bippity-bopping. Right, bippity-bopping <laughs> through life. You know, but like the difference, the difference is, it is God. And you know one another. And we, and we, we do. And we know, we are learning how to communicate. And it is, you know, people, you know, what right advice when you get married, like communicate. Oh, okay. You know, no, really. <laughs> like, and you know, be, be honest, be honest. We just had something, we just went through something with our daughter and I was able to say to him, like, this is a trigger for me because mm-hmm. you relapsed the last time something like this happened. And this is a trigger for me. And he, with his whole heart said he was sorry. Mm-hmm. And he promises that's not going to happen and, you know, you can focus on your do- you can focus on her because I'm okay and I've got you. And what's that feel like? It's, it's well, there's two feelings to it. First, it's like, wow. Um, how can you or this person who would lay down their life for anybody, but you made somebody that you love feel that way feel that she can't take all of her energy and focus on our daughter who is fighting an underlying element and she has to take even an ounce of her energy and focus it on you because you have a drinking problem and that that shouldn't even be in the room that it's and the fact that she breathed those words it it cuts and it and i need that it's the painful reminder that you do have a problem. You can't have alcohol. It's sad. You're an adult that I know I, sh- I put her in that position. And it's my, it's my responsibility to write that shit, write that wrong. I'm trying. I don't expect it to be done overnight. But I sincerely am sorry. I, I sincerely, you know, I made the amends. I, I went through the 12 steps the first time. I made the amends. I I was that guy just running around screaming sorry from the mountaintops. I'm not that guy this time. 
I'm just going to change as a person. And that's my sorry to the world. Mm. If, if I truly did something like I did to my wife, I am beyond sorry. So you're, I, I like that. You said, my sorry is I'm a changed person. And he is. I, oh, God. If, is if he? people want to... Did if I, I say that right? Yeah. If, if people... If they experience me now, I am, I am happy to help. I am happy to do whatever. That's why I'm here. I'm if if a little bit of my story can help somebody, that that's what it's all about. We have to, and that's the final step is serving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at the end of the day, I'm not going to run around just saying sorry, sorry, sorry. Alcoholics and drug addicts, we're the biggest liars. We could tell anybody. Show them by your action. Mm-hmm. That's how you really sh- show somebody that you're sorry. The word only goes so far. We're we're going over that with our kids now. It, <laughs> sorries are starting to lose their. <laughs> yeah. Sorries. I don't know how a, old they are, but I remember those uh, days. <laughs> yeah. They're losing impact, and they lost their impact with me. So you know what? I'm I'm not going around saying sorries. If I did hurt somebody, which I didn't, because I drank in the basement. I drank. I I. Isolated. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't out there beating people up or, you know, stealing or, you know, what, whatever. I wasn't doing any of that. I was self-medicating, isolating from the world and just getting drunk. The people I was hurting was my wife, my kids, and my immediate circle. Um, but I've learned so much in 2022. Uh, I really have this level of acceptance and I pray that anybody going through any addiction, if they can feel that level of acceptance, step one, the power, powerlessness. We are powerless over mm. our addiction. We, we cannot control it. <laughs> it, it, it soon as any, I, I don't care if it's alcohol or drugs, an ounce of that enters our, we, we become powerless. So step one, I equate it to it is what it is. We can't really dwell over, you know, the negatives and have those be triggers for us to go back to drinking. It's, you know, how do we move forward? How do we address the situation, take back, step back, make a sensible decision about the situation, not a rash decision that's going to lead us to go back to um, our past, our our past addictions, our past um, actions. And uh, it... This level of acceptance that I I was talking to Megan about it last night, I want her to eventually feel this level of acceptance. I I don't. It's a new feeling that I've never had, and she truly is the only person emotionally that could affect me. Um, person, there's other things out there. Greater powers, my higher power, who I refer to as God, he can do what he, what he will do, but she's the only person that I can really say can affect me emotionally. Outside of that, I've been through enough that it is what it is. <laughs> I, we, we all often end with favorite recovery quote. And I think you just kind of did that. It is every, what it is. I hope everyone can feel that sense of acceptance. Yeah. We're up against an ep- epidemic the pandemic the you know the disease of addiction i think covid's going to there's covid itself that's just the that's just 
scratching the surface. There's mm-hmm. so many more issues coming out of COVID that um, don't be afraid to get help. If I can get help, and I don't want this to be the infomercial part or anything, <laughs> if if I can get help, and if people would know me personally, and if I can go get help yeah. and admit that I need it, anybody can do it. It does, It is a pride thing, but you can't do this alone. And I will say from the counselors to the nurses to the cat, the people working in the cafeteria, I mean, everyone just wants to help. And it, it truly is a... The only downfall is I don't get to see those people anymore. I They become family to me. Yeah. And, you know, I pass along through um, different alumni, you know, tell so-and-so hi, tell so-and-so hi. But <laughs> and that's what our events do. We try to invite people to come back to our facilities. And I know we're getting ready to gear up for some events here for family oh. and um, alumni to come back to visit with staff and just to get that interaction because a lot of this is owed to them. I mean, there's, there's, there's a few of them that, I mean, really impacted my life that Mm -hmm. they'll never understand what they've done for me. And it truly isn't, I can't thank them enough. And as a family member, I can't, I mean, I would drive down here on the days I would come down and I would just, I would just thank God. I'm like, Oh, thank you. You know, thank you for these people. Thank you for this facility because and, it, and they were just as concerned when I walked in this door and you went into the meeting. I, they were just as concerned, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are, you know, what are you feeling? How can we help you? And it just it leads more into how you said it's a family disease. And it, you know, it, it really takes the family to overcome it. Because as it hard as hard as it is for the codependent in in us to want to believe that we we have a part to do too, because you want to you want to think um, you you fix it. I'm gonna be back here living my life. It's if you if you as the family member. Do your part to work on yourself and become become strong in yourself while loving them. I can't tell you what your life will be like. I am living what I dreamed. And it is, it really, this, this place saved our life. It saved us. And now my kids will know the the strongest person that they'll ever know because you know he got better and he is amazing and it is credit to here and god and it is it like i said i can't even put it into words megan justin thank you so much for telling your story yeah for coming back to volunteer, to to just being a part of the Alumni Association. We're so grateful to have you and and, um, just for your sharing today. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for joining us today at Strength and Recovery Podcast. If you or someone you know needs help, 
please call 1-833-RCA-ALUM. We're standing by. Thank you for joining us today for the Strength and Recovery Podcast. Real people, real experiences, real hope. This podcast is presented by the Alumni Association of Recovery Centers of America. If you're interested in learning more, visit rcaalumni.com. Here, you can fill out our web form to make sure you're receiving our daily recovery emails and are notified of special events. The Alumni Association of RCA exists to connect individuals to an active recovery community. It is our goal to work with alumni to help them succeed, belong, and ultimately serve others. We help our alumni succeed by hosting more than 120 recovery support meetings per month with both virtual and in-person offerings of big book studies, speaker meetings, beginners meetings, Monday through Friday daily inspiration meetings, meetings for men and women, and faith-based meetings. Second, we create a welcoming community that provides a sense of belonging with a full calendar of events each month. Speaker series, barbecues, holiday celebrations, bowling, sporting events, theater shows, and much more. Thirdly, we provide an opportunity for our alumni to serve both the recovery community and in our local neighborhoods. We offer speaker commitments, chair commitments, mentoring opportunities in our facilities, volunteering at food banks, recovery, and overdose awareness events. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Recovery Centers of America provides inpatient and outpatient treatment and has locations in Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Indiana, and Illinois. Recovery Centers of America, or RCA, was founded to break down barriers to expert treatment. We answer the phone and admit patients 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, are in-network with major insurance providers, and provide evidence-based treatment in our world-class facilities. If you or someone you know needs help, call 1-800-RECOVERY and know we are here for you.